Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I praise you. I give you glory. Hallelujah. I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's just give him praise right now. God, I worship you. God, no matter where I'm at, God, no matter the state I'm in, God, I give you praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I give you glory. I give you praise. God, you shut the mouths of lions. God, you've moved mountains. God, I worship you. God, I've seen you heal people. God, I've seen you move mountains. God, I've seen you open doors. God, I've seen you shut doors. God, I've seen you do works. God, I've seen you do miracles. God, I give you praise. I give you glory. God, I've heard you speak. God, God, I worship you. I praise you. God, you're worthy of our highest praise. God, I give you glory. I magnify your name, Jesus. God, I give you praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our highest praise. And in the stillness of his voice, in the darkest of nights, he's still worthy. He's still worthy. No matter the stillness in the moment, he's still worthy. Even when it seems like he's not speaking, even when it seems like he's not working, he's still moving. He's still perfecting. He's still working. It may seem like it at that moment that he's not touching you. It may seem like at that moment that he's not doing the work, but I promise you, hold on, he's still moving. He's still working. He's still perfecting the plan. He's still working. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. We magnify you. God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I got here this after, this morning at like, you can be seated. I got here, it was 10 o'clock when I showed up. I was so early. I found Spider-Man. And me and Spider-Man were just praying. We were just chilling out, enjoying the presence of God. And I was like, God, whatever your plan is today, God, whatever you got planned, just move in this place, God. Show up and have your way. Because more than anything, I believe this. God's not done. And uh, on uh, Christmas Eve and last Sunday, kind of have been all just running together in a little series titled Left in the Dark. And I love that, Betty, you kind of tied what you were talking about in that today. 
And, uh, and so I'm going to recap a little bit what I talked about Christmas Eve. And I, uh, I look at Matthew because it brings us to the, where, where, where I was on Christmas Eve, it left us at the, uh, the wise men. I never finished the wise men. And so we're going to get with the wise men today, finish up their story and, uh, and where we're at with them. And so I figure y'all probably want to know about the wise men and their story. And it's going to be fun today. I promise you that. And I hope that this wraps up the Christmas story. And I hope that Christmas Eve was maybe something different. And I hope today is something different in this whole Christmas story. You're like, I've never heard about a Christmas story left in the dark. And it's normally like talking about the light coming and all these things. And we're talking about the darkness. I like talking about the light. But Jesus was the light. But in that time, there was a lot of darkness. Matthew 2, 1 through 6, just recapping from, uh, well, it was Friday or something. I don't remember. It was Friday night. Ugh. I had to turn around and get my next message ready. It was hard. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked where the Messiah would be born. In verse 5, it says, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. Because out of you will come the ruler who will shepherd my people. Israel. And their statement from this caused the insecurity of the king. But they studied the scripture, so that's good. But it caused the insecurity not only of the king, but the people. Because of what they said, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. They were looking for the Messiah, and so all of Jerusalem was disturbed at this time. And I'm like, why? Why would you be disturbed? Looking for the Messiah. I figured that would be, I don't know. You know what I should have done? It would have been a good place to go and look at what the, that word disturbed meant. Maybe they were, I don't know. I should, have, I should have done that. What the original word was. Ashley, since you're, get on that real quick. Pull up that original word. Maybe, maybe it was troubled. Maybe it was something. Pull up that, that blue letter Bible. Um, but, but. They were in war. They were in, they were in troubled times. I don't know. What it, does it mean that they were, gonna, they were afraid that this was going to cause more wars, that this was going to cause more trouble for them? And so here comes the Messiah, and here comes these people and, and all these things. And so they were so afraid of the Messiah coming. What does this mean? I don't know. And so they studied the scripture to find where he would be born. Out of you will come a ruler that will shepherd my people. And I noticed this. In our day and age, you can, you can watch it in um, people's posts. You can watch it in people who preach and, and speakers. They get attracted to words in the Bible. Um, post a picture and they get attracted to like one thing. And 
they'll be like, a lot of times it's, um, it's called observation bias. And, and, and it, it happens when you buy a car. Has anyone ever noticed you bought a car and then all of a sudden you like see everyone you thought you had a cool car and then everyone else also has that same cool car and your cool car is no longer cool? That's called observation bias. It's, it's a thing, like all of a sudden, now everyone has it. Also, the same thing, like you buy some clothes that you thought were cool. Like this happens more often, I think, with women than it does men because we don't really care about the clothes we wear. Like I actually, wrong, that's a lie. Guys do care about what we wear. Russell, I have that same shirt. I know you got it from Costco because I think I was with you when you bought it. Um, but but <laughs> we... We, we, um, we go and I'm like, I'll be walking around, I'll be like, I know he got that at Costco. <laughs> I can like pick out like clothes, like where someone got their clothes, like, well, not everything. I, I assume you got that maybe Duluth. I don't know. So, so, probably got that in Duluth. She got that in Duluth. Lake shirts. Oh, okay. <laughs> someone was, she was making it for someone in Duluth. <laughs> I know where you got that hoodie. <laughs> I know where it was made, a uh, Laker locker. <laughs> I know who made it. <laughs> um, and so there's, there's all these things. We, we, we can pick out these things. Observation bias is one of these things where you see it, and so you, you see basically what you want to see. And so when you open up the scripture and you find this thing, and then all of a sudden you see a picture pop out, and you're like, oh, this, this has got to be what the Bible's talking about. And so you see basically what you want the what the Bible says, when really that's not what the Bible is talking about. Um, that's not what is going on right here. But I, I see a lot of times people get attracted to words. And they're like, oh, I want the ruler. And so they were looking for the wrong thing. Ah, pull out my visual aid from the other night. The iPad Pro. They were looking for this. They were looking, this package, oh, does anyone have an Apple product? I hate Apple products. Okay, I really do. The only Apple products I believe in are the iPads. I, otherwise, I hate Apple. <laughs> otherwise, I'm an Android guy. Like, Android has some good packaging too. But Apple products, like the way that they package stuff, like there is an experience when you open this box, the lid... And everything. I mean, just the way that you open this box. I mean, it's just like you gotta kind of like give it this little shake, and like it's just so tight, and like it's the quality of the box. I don't know how much they spend on these boxes, but they gotta spend a lot on these boxes. When when you when, when I when you get my packaging for my pet products, I'm like, how cheap can you get that packaging? When I tell, I'm like, can you do a, do a little baggie that still looks good? Like, how is that like? Can I get it down to like? half a cent? Like, can we get, can, can we go cheaper than 10 cents? <laughs> like this, this, this box has got to be in the dollars range, you know, like a couple dollars, $3, maybe $5. Like seriously, like this box is nice. Like it costs money. Like, and you look in there and it's quality construction. It's thick cardboard. This box costs some money. And, and I'm like, they put some money and time in it because they want it to be an experience when you open it. Jesus is an experience. When you get in and begin to dig into the word, it's an experience. But they had created this ruler and this conqueror that was going to come. And so I think maybe some of that, did you look up the word disturbed? Did it just mean like troubled? Like 
Oh, don't worry about it. We'll come back to it later. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. So I brought this visual aid because I wanted you to, I wanted to bring it back. They, they had the idea of this iPad. You know, they, 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 it wasn't a bait and switch that Jesus did. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't switch it out. He wasn't like, oh, I'm going to give you a ruler. I'm going to give you this conqueror. I'm going to give you this. No, Jesus came and he became all of those things. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He, he did all of those things. Like he was the conqueror, but they were looking for a physical ruler, king. That's what they were looking for. But he came as the word. And I found this old Bible. This is my dad's Bible when he was young. And like he actually has it in here. It was like 1976. And uh, so it's, it's an old Bible in here. And I was like, man, it's kind of what Jesus was. Like when you look at it, it's like, man, it's tattered and torn. But you know what? This right here is quality content in here. You can turn to any page in this Bible. And it's quality. It will touch your life. Doesn't matter what you're going through. You open up the word and it will affect your life. And so I look at this and they were looking for the ruler, but they missed the part where it said he will come and he will shepherd my people. They like completely missed that part of the verse. And I think a lot of times we're like the observation bias part. We're like, oh, I want the ruler. And we're like, I missed the shepherd part. <laughs> I missed the whole part that's talking about what he will do when he gets there because, because Jesus came and he was the shepherd. He, he came, he was the good shepherd. He was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the, he, he was the light. He was the light of the world. And John 1, 1, they that believe, or sorry, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and I look at that and I'm like, that's what he came as. He was this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we became, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the, ah, oh, and I missed, the, I forgot the scripture. We, be, we he, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, we beheld his glory, the glory of the, the only begotten son from the father, full of grace and truth. There we go. I uh, <laughs> forgot the scripture, but hey, I did pretty good quoting most of it. <laughs> Jesus was the perfect package, but when people began to realize who he was, the perfect Christmas gift left people in the dark. They were like, well, this isn't really what we wanted. It's kind of like when you're a kid and mom and dad give you underwear for Christmas and you're like, oh, that is not what I wanted, but they gave you what you needed. <laughs> All the other ones have got holes in them. You get new socks. You know what I love nowadays? I love socks. I love good socks, my word, a good t-shirt, give me clothes, I love clothes, give me a pair of shoes, but when I was a kid, it was like, give me toys, <laughs> I wanted the cool things, Noah, do you like cool things, come on, you like cool things, you can be honest, your mom's shaking her head for you, okay? So I'll just go with what mom says. You like cool things. I remember when I was a kid, I don't know which kid that left this on, and I feel for him on, on Christmas Eve, but Cooper, Cooper might have left this. Cooper left his Spider-Man on Christmas Eve, and man, I'll tell you what, when I was a kid, 
I think this is probably a toy I would have wanted. I don't know what it does, because I'm out of touch with that. I don't even know which Spider-Man this is, but like, I would have been like, this is so awesome as a kid. And I can imagine like, there's probably some accessories. Like he probably has like a little rocket launcher that shoots little Nerf guns. And like, I don't know, this probably hooks onto something. And I can just imagine the cool things. And I can imagine like, and I, I can just think like the, the noises. Like, I don't need anyone. I don't need it to make sound effects for me. I've got my own sound effects. Like, I love that. Like, I would get my, I remember the year my mom and dad, C-130. It was this big airplane. They got me with army men and stuff. Oh, my gosh. That, that thing was so much fun. I, with my army men, I set them up, and I would fly this airplane. I couldn't, like, it didn't fly, but Oh man, toys today like that actually do things. Man, I'm telling you, kids today like are spoiled. You gotta have an imagination, guys. Like, get your sound effects. Like, oh man, I just I remember like I oh, like, oh, oh there, there's so many cool things. And anyways, like the package, like Jesus came in, like they were like, oh that's. I got to make my own sound effects. I got to use my imagination. I wanted him to do it for me. You mean I'm going to have to open the word? You mean it don't read itself to me? You mean I have to rightly divide the word? Like, like we, don't, we don't like that part of Jesus. Like, you mean when Jesus came and he, like, starts talking about things to us and, and he says, like, hear. If you have ears to hear, hear. You, you mean, I don't like those types of things. And he, he talks about, like, hey, you're not supposed to sin. You're like, I don't like that Jesus. I like six pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus. He didn't stay that way. I like the loving Jesus. I like, I like Jesus that I like, I like my Jesus wrapped up in love and, and grace. And you know the things Jesus said to the Pharisees? Oh my word. He had some things. He was very decisive in what he said. He was like, hey. You ought to, Zach, this is not a Christmas message. You are way, like, way out there, Zach. This is old Jesus. This is 30-year-old Jesus. Like, bring it back to baby Jesus. I know, but I'm just saying, they wanted a ruler. And they rejected the ruler that God sent them. Like, here we go. Like, here it is. God robed in flesh. And they're like, oh, nope. Creator. Of, here in John 1, it says, he was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. Verse 10 in John chapter 1. The world was created by him and the world did not recognize him. His own creation did not recognize him. What in the world? It's terrible. 
He came to his world, his, his creation, and his creation rejects him. Man. You know what this is telling me? They weren't left in the dark, but rather they chose to be in the darkness. Here's the light, but they left the light switch off. They flipped the switch. They were like, oh, no, no, just keep that. I don't like that. I covered up the little light that we had on here because I was trying to like make it a little bit better for the online people, but it just worked with the visual aid and everything. And man, sometimes that is just how it is. God's like, I want to shine a light in your life. And you're like, whoa, God, hold up. I like the way that it is right now. Like I'm comfortable in this. Like I'm comfortable in this. Like I don't want to make changes in my life. Someone told me, they were like, well, you're just creating a happy medium for people. I'm like, either you're making progress in your life or you're dying. There is no such thing as happy medium in your relationship with God. It's either you're making progress in your relationship with God or you're not. You're like, Zach, why'd you just, why'd you make a mean thing like that? Because I had someone in a group today, like oh, saying things to me and I wasn't in church at the time I was supposed to be in church at the appointed time of church at 11 a.m. And I was just, you know, sitting there in a group, <laughs> running my mouth. <laughs> and so I was just defending things, you know. <laughs> oh, Lord, I was having a good time this morning in here <laughs> all by myself. And my wife wasn't here to stop me. <laughs> all my energy that I normally don't have because I have two services Y'all get all of it today. Ah, <laughs> oh, the package left people in the dark. And so they were looking for something else, but the wise men knew what they were looking for. So let's look at the wise men. Matthew 2, 7 through 12, it says, Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go ahead, search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So I just figured I would throw this in there for any of that would be like, well, how old was Jesus when, I'm sorry, I'm just throwing these weird voices in today. I just, one of those things, sometimes I have weird voices. And so um, <laughs> some people are like, well, how old was Jesus when the wise men got there? Was he in the manger still? I don't know. It doesn't say. Some people are like, yeah, he was in the manger. Some people are like, no, Jesus was about two years old. It doesn't say. Well, it said say that Jesus was in a house. But I don't know. It doesn't say. But um, I'm just going to go with, you know what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's not one of those things. I'm not here to determine the timeline of when the wise men showed up. Let's just say it was whenever within two years of when Jesus was born. It doesn't matter how old Jesus was at this point. Okay. Um, here's what matters is they showed up with the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What was the purpose of showing up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? 
This is the question. I was like, oh, why would you show up for it with a kid? Well, they were showing up with gifts fit for a king. You know, they were like, oh, let's bring these gifts for a king, which is cool. But they like show up to a house. Like, I assume they were like, what's up with this house? Like, it's not a palace. Like, here we are in Bethlehem, like this tiny little house or stable or manger or whatever it was that Jesus was in at this time within zero to two years for everyone who wants to figure that out. So when they entered, they must have felt something because it says that they fell at their knees and they began to worship him. They had to have felt the presence of God when they entered into that place. They fell down and worshiped him. There must have been something that caused them to fall down and worship him. These gifts were fit for a king. They weren't teething rings. They, they, they weren't like squeaky toys. They, they weren't, I guess that's more like a dog thing. I guess I have dogs. I guess, I guess you really don't buy your kids squeaky toys. Do they? Okay. Okay, good. Now I know that when you have a baby, I'm going to buy a kid a squeaky toy. <laughs> they did not go back to Herod after that. They had a dream. They were like, oh, I'm, going, I'm not going back to Herod. The other thing that I found really interesting, the star. I just, I have a hard time with the, it being just like a, you know, a celestial body. Like they're coming to a house and then, bam, here's like a star, you know, like a gas body in the sky descending like right over their house. It's got to be something that's like supernatural that the presence of God like sets over the house. Like there's got to be something. I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, I'm just thinks there's been angels in all the other parts. Like there's got to be something that they see. That's like, this is the house. They got to feel something that's like, Oh, I'm going to walk into this house. You don't just walk into someone's house. Like they knew something about this house. I mean, you walked outside, you've seen the sky. I guess they could add a shooting star. I guess. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just in one of those head places today of like having a good time. So they leave in the dark. The savior goes to bondage. So I have to do some explaining when I say this. First Corinthians 2, 1 through 2. I'm going to get there in just a second. But Egypt, ever since the Israelites were in bondage, has always been a type of bondage. Meaning... That when the Israelites were in bondage, they were in slavery in Egypt. And so when they came out, Egypt has always been likened to sin. And bondage would be like going back to Egypt. Like there's a song we sing. It's titled Egypt. Um, and we say, he took me out of Egypt. Not saying the literal country of Egypt. Poor Egypt. Bad rapped. But it's talking about us coming out of like our sinful nature, getting uh, pulled out of, God is taking us out of our bondage, not a literal country. And so Egypt has ever since been this, where the Israelites were in bondage has always been this type of, of bondage. But here the savior goes to bondage and I'm like, wow, this is really powerful. The place that was bondage for his people 
now becomes the place of safety and refuge. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 2, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant now that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. This is talking about like how they were baptized in, a, in reference to going through the Red Sea and coming out of Egypt and how they were brought through the Red Sea and cleansed from their bondage. So it's just kind of a, a type. So I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, this is really cool. The New Testament starts to talk about how sin is like bondage and Jesus is like sent to Egypt. And I'm like, man, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. But God doesn't send us back to our bondage. Why is that? Because he already overcame our bondage. He never has to send you back. Yes, sometimes you will minister in those areas, but not till he's equipped you for it. Okay, let me stay on track here. This is the good parts. After they were gone, in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and 15, it says, After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his, mother's during, his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken... By the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled out of Egypt. I called my son. It was a prophecy that out of Egypt, I called my son. That here comes Jesus out of Egypt. I had already created. They had already created the greatest savior in my head that could conquer the enemy. But. I'm going to send him to bondage. What are you doing? Why are you sending this savior to bondage? What are you doing? Why am I in darkness? Why are you sending the only little bit of light that I have into bondage? Now, this doesn't make sense. Why? Why would you do this, God? Why would you send my salvation back to bondage? Because Genesis 50, 20, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. I did the wrong thing, but this is the scripture that's, if someone wants to, I can pull it up real quick. I put the wrong verse in there. Genesis 50, 20 says, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good. To bring about the present result, the survival of many people. It was for the survival of many people. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. It was for the survival of many people. 
It didn't make sense, but it was so that many could be saved. It, it didn't make sense, but he was sending it back to bondage. He was going back to the bondage so that I could overcome that bondage. It was He was going back to bondage so that I could be an overcomer. He was going back to bondage so that I could be delivered later on. He was going back to bondage so that I could experience victory. It wasn't just for that day, but it was for today. That's the beauty of this moment. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, there hath no temptation taken you but such is common to man but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. He went back to the bondage so that he could help bring you out of your temptations. He went back to the bondage so that he could help bring you out of the sinful nature. He went back to the bondage so that he could help bring you out of the world so that he could help to save you. He did it for you and I. He said, there is nothing that I won't do for you. This Christmas gift is for you this Christmas gift was for the salvation of the world I look at this and I'm like oh Jesus he did it for you and I he did it yes he was a baby yes he was young at the time but he was like I'm going back and the beauty of it the frankincense the myrrh the gold all of it it was so that no one they didn't have to owe anything they they the the the, the trip was financed for them it, it, I look at this God is not going to send you back to minister. Don't think that because you're going through something or that you've done something that God's going to send you back. Stop going back and repeating the same things over and over and over and over and over and over again. God's not sending you back. You're choosing to go back. You go back because you want to go back. But sometimes God will call you after he equips you. Mary and Joseph didn't go back until the wise men gave them what they needed so that they would not become in bondage again. They could go and they could have their trip financed and they were okay the entire time that they were there. And I was like, how long were they in Egypt? Well, that's not also in the Bible. And I was like looking at the biblical scholars out there. And you know what? They are just like the Republicans and the Democrats. Nobody can agree. There was from three months to like 10 years. And I was like, cool, that gives me a good range. So that's how long Jesus was in Egypt, from three months to 10 years. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he was in Egypt, but it doesn't matter. It was taken care of. God took care of them. And when he called them out of Egypt, they came out of Egypt. You see, my Savior went back to bondage. But this Savior that conquered death, hell, and the grave, this is the Savior that overcame your past, that, that, that overcame who you are, that overcame your future. He is the all-powerful, the, the one that's creating a way of escape for you today, the one that has created, the one that is the light that you just have to decide, God, I need the light in my life. Shine a light into every area of my life. God, I'm tired of the darkness in my life. I'm tired of 
the darkness overcoming in my life. God, I need the light in my life. You see, the light was just spreading and it was spreading into the bondage. Right now, your life may feel like the light has just been blown out. But I ask the question, do you just have an ember? Do you just have a little bit of a coal left inside you? You're here today. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you found the podcast at one point. Maybe you found a, the, the message online at some point in your life. Or maybe you're just sitting there listening to it today. You have something for whatever reason. There's something inside of you that says, I'm not done. There's still something inside of me. There's still a little fight left in you. You haven't thrown in the towel yet. You said, I've still got a little something in me. I haven't given up yet. I still got a little fight in me. I haven't given up yet. Yes, I may be down. Yes, I've been knocked down. Maybe I'm down right now. I don't feel, I don't feel like I can make it. I don't feel like I can take another step. I don't know if God's real. I don't, I don't know if I believe this anymore. But for whatever reason, you're here. You're listening. You haven't given up yet. You're not done. And if you have breath in your lungs, God is not done with you yet. God is not finished with you. You are not a finished work yet. God is still perfecting the work in you and through you. God still has a plan and a purpose in you. He's still got something for you to do. He's still got something. He's still calling and he's still reaching for you because he loves you. And over 2,000 years ago, he clothed himself in flesh and came. He hung himself on a cross uh, so that I could be saved, so that you could be saved. Because he loved this world. Because he loved you and I. To me, that is a Christmas gift. That's so beautiful. What can I give him in return? What does he want from me? He wants your filth. Your junk. You can't give him anything because, Betty, you said it. None of us. None of us are worthy. I've got nothing that I can give him. My righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm going to get real grotesque for a minute. Do you know what the filthy rags are? I'm glad someone said yes. Ask Darlene. That is what the Bible says our righteousness is as. Nothing. If you don't know what the filthy rags is, I'm telling you, it's nasty. <laughs> 
you look at what it really is. Ask Ashley and Darlene afterwards for me. But God was not done working. They'd left. The Bible calls it a massacre of children. When Herod kills all this population in that region was about 5,000 at the time, approximately according to different scholars. Obviously, again, they don't always agree, but approximately 50 to 90 children were probably killed. And I know that maybe doesn't sound like a lot, and the number could be higher or less, but any death of children is terrible. And that number compels, uh, pales in comparison to children's death today. But when you look in the context of a civilization that is trying to survive. When you look at the people that were in a day the Jews, the people of God, it was a massacre. Because that was generations of people. He was trying to purge a generation. And what that speaks to me is the power of our children. And it's horrific when you look at it and you're like, why didn't God just save all these children? Why didn't he just kill them all? Sin still enters the world. And we can get focused on all the bad and the darkness. But look at the light that's growing. A lot of times we begin to focus on all the negative And we forget about the light that's growing. Feed the light. Let's grow the light. Stop growing the darkness. Stop focusing on that. Focus on the light. Because this has way more power than the darkness. Darkness is just the absence of light. God loves you. You have to decide, is this enough? Do I want what God gave? Or am I going to reject it? See, the choice is yours. This is enough for me. This is good enough. I'm thankful for his word. I'm thankful for the relationship that he gave with. I, I know this. That there isn't a single person in this place. That God is not done with. If you've got breath in your lungs, God's not done with you. I know people that have listened to our live streams. I know people that have been in this building that have walked out that God's not done with. And I pray that God would get a hold of them, that God would touch them, that there would be a seed. Oh, God, touch them. God, do something in their life. God, I know that your return is coming. God, I can see it. God, I can feel it. 
God, grow a desire in our hearts, God. One of the conversations that me and Ashley had, this is like last night. A lot of times we as Christians are like, what am I called to do? We focus on, well, I have to have a specific calling. No. Yes, there's things I like to do. But if I chose what I like to do, in all honesty, I would sit over there because that's what I like to do. I like tech stuff. I would sit over there. I'd run the computer. I'd run the video and live stream. And yeah, I like to occasionally, you know, preach. Like, but like I walk around with my eyes closed all the time, like, because I'm nervous all the time. It's easier to do that. Y'all trip before I open my eyes. like map out this place in my brain. Sometimes I like open my eyes and be like, how did I get this direction? <laughs> Whoa. Then I open my eyes. God did not call us as Christians to sit here. He called us to go. We are called to get a relationship to have our lives transformed and in faith begin to go. What do I do? Whatever my hand finds to do, I'm to do it mightily as unto God. Anything my hand finds to do, whatever it is. I didn't know how to play the guitar a few years ago, but I learned how to do it because I was like, well, no one else knows how to play the guitar, so I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. I, I seriously, there's things I did. There was a person, there was someone who didn't know how to, there was no one who knew how to put, run a sound system. So at 12 years old, I learned how to run a sound system. Millie, thank you for learning how to run the computer and stuff over there, helping us sing. Noah, thank you for like learning how to do the drums, for starting to do announcements, for running the sound system. You guys are ministering the gospel. You're, you may not realize it, but you are. That is answering the call to go. You don't, this right here is a portion of it, but this is just, this is, this is only a small portion. The gospel is so much more. And when we, when we buy into the gospel of Jesus Christ as Christians, we should, oh, I'm, Everything, God, I'm giving you because my righteousness is as filthy rags and, and I've, got, I've got nothing to give you, God. So I'm giving you everything, God. And whatever my hand finds to do, God, I, I'm going to give it to you. I, I look at Teresa. She, she vacuums. She, she cleans. Betty, you vacuum. You clean. Like so many people. Jenny, she, she does a phenomenal job taking care of Sunday school back there. Like I look at every person, like there is people, I can name everything. Like just, it's amazing what people do in this church. Don't stop whatever your hand finds to do. That is true relationship with God. Keep doing it. Keep investing in, in, in your relationship with God. Whatever your hand finds to do, dig into the word of God. Ask questions. God, what can I do? This right here, hide the word of God in your heart that I might not sin against thee. Let this be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. This right here will change your life. If you follow this right here, 
longer. This is what will keep you when you're down. This is what will keep you. This is right here. This will change the anxiety. I promise you from a person that suffers with depression, that struggles with anxiety, I promise you this is what will change your life. I promise you, no, I still struggle with it on days in and out. And yes, I still struggle with my ADHD sometimes. Y'all saw, saw that earlier in the message, but you know what? I love it. I told kids in my, in my work, I'm like, it's my superpower. Embrace the crazy. I'm telling you, when you begin to read the Bible with your ADHD, oh, we don't change the Bible. I'm telling you, it's the best thing ever. If you've got ADHD, embrace it. You're like, Zach, I never heard a Christmas message like that. Well, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> if I can leave you with anything out of this, don't be left in the dark. You see, Jesus came so that there could be light in this world. And so I'll leave you with this. God is not done with any of you as this song plays if you're looking for a deeper relationship with God I challenge you to step out of your seats come to this front and let's pray together as a church let's gather together this year is about to end and so I challenge you don't stay the same if you leave this service the same as you walked in. You walk out the same by choice. Not because God left you. God, I pray right now that you would move in this place right now. That you would touch us, God. God, I pray that you would begin to speak in each and every one of us. God, I worship you. I magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I worship you. Oh, Jesus. God, I magnify you. There's a lot you don't notice until you're standing in the dark. And there's a strength that's growing inside your shattered heart. Your broken heart and your wounds and your scars. Not done with you. Even when you're lost and it's hard and you're falling apart. It's not over, it's only begun. So don't hide, don't run. Cause God's not done with you.
We. Oui. 